Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I'm Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful Taryn Hatcher and the dynamic Joe Fordyce. Joe, Taryn, the Flyers, some way, somehow, are in real danger of losing 10 straight games for the second time in this season. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Uh, that's pretty damning, alarming, staggering. Any words you want to use, it is certainly head-scratching. I'm not sure anyone envisioned this going into this season. A season with expectations, a season with pressure to bounce back, and the Flyers are just, they can't find a way to get a win. And and the latest loss is a 4-3 shootout loss to the Islanders. Uh, they were swept in a back-to-back set by New York. This shootout loss went nine rounds. They had a lead in the third period. They did a lot of things well. I know we're, you know, no one wants to hear that, but when we're looking at a nine-game losing streak, it's hard not to look at some process, some progress. And um, the Flyers did do things better than what they've done in the past. But still, no win. Nine straight losses. Karen, I'll start with you. The big question, where does this team go from here? Can they make something of this season? We've, I know we've talked about it so much, but where are you at right now with this season and this team? I don't know. It's so hard because, again, like before last night's game, we get the news that Kevin Hayes is going to miss three to four weeks now because he had a uh, fluid drain from his abductor and um, – and that's just enough. I mean, that's just the way the season's gone. It's like before every game, you're you're hearing about a, a big name player who gets paid a lot of money and contributes a lot to the team who's unavailable. It's just the story of the year. I will say, and I don't really care if people don't want to hear it at this point, but um, the way the Flyers played against the Bruins, the way the Flyers played against the Rangers, the way the Flyers played last night, not in their first game against the Islanders, like those were those were games that you look at if you're Mike Yo, and if it's not in the middle of this losing streak, they're games where I think you're happy with the steps, some of the steps the team is making. Um, you know, last night felt like one they should have won. The fact that they couldn't close the door at the end was incredibly frustrating. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just, it is, it's tough because at that point this, at this point that doesn't matter. Um, and yeah, I don't, I like, I don't know if you, if you're, if you're willing to already surrender to the idea of like, okay, well we want to get, you know, Cam York, York looks confident. We want to continue to build him and looking at trades and this, that, and the next thing, like if you're really, really ready to move on with that mindset. I don't know that anybody really wants to do that at this point in the season when there's still like half a season left to play. Um, But you almost wonder if it would benefit them at this point. Like if there's, if the way they play when they're desperate at the end of games 
is so much better than the way that they play the rest of the games most of the time, like when they pull the goalie, that I wonder if you give them the mindset of like, you know, stop thinking about the losing streak, stop thinking about anything else and and just go play hockey because at this point, what does it matter? Like just go play, like play and prove your worth. If you're on an expiring contract, play and prove you deserve ice time. Like stop thinking about everything else and just go play hockey. Um, But it is, it's tough. I mean, my, I went to the game last night and my dad was there and, and, half the guys on the team um he he and he watches every game but it's like oh yeah this guy's call up this guy they signed off waivers at the beginning of the season to fill in for this guy and, da, 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 da. and you realize how far off this team is from what the team the personnel wise they started with and it's it's not an excuse but it does sort of make things make a little bit more sense as to like how did we get here um but now you're here, so you got to do something with it. And I don't know what mindset they have to take to improve upon it, but I I do, if I'm being genuinely honest, I look at last night's game, and like I said before, the way they played against the Rangers, the way they played against the Bruins, they've hung in there with good teams. Last night, they, they probably deserved that win. Um, and it felt like Carter deserved so much better than to lose in a nine-round shootout, to be honest. I, I can't. I don't know what else you do, but I can't stand that that's how hockey games end. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what the mindset should be or has to be here, but um, it's something's got to give at some point because it's just, just, it's tough. I mean, what do you even, you're going to miss Kevin Hayes now for three to four weeks. I, I wonder when Derek Broussard is coming back, <laughs> if ever. You know, I don't know how much longer it'll be until we see Sean Couturier. So, about a few weeks until the All-Star break. We'll see what team comes back after that as well. But they got to start to win games before then because they've already dug themselves a really, really deep hole. So, I don't think you can even really think that way anymore. I don't think you can have that mindset anymore of, like, we got to get ourselves out. I think it's just, like, you got to play better hockey. I don't think there's – Anything to lose now for these players, Taryn. I liked what you said. Um, if you're a player, uh, no one thinks you guys have a shot at the playoffs. Nobody. So you might as well just go in there and say, hey, we got nothing to lose. Let's go out there, whether I'm on an expiring deal, whether I'm a young kid, whether I'm an older player trying to prove my worth still. Um, just go out there and play and, and 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 try to make something of this season, maybe prove people wrong. Uh but maybe there is still a lot of pressure. Maybe people know they're nearing that 10-game losing streak for the second time, and it gets in people's heads. Losing streaks do get in people's heads. But, yeah, really, they just got to go out there and just play. But, it, man, it was a weird loss, a very weird loss in nine rounds where they did a lot of things right. They played with a lead. Uh, they they responded well to a goal against. Uh, they, they did a lot of good things. Uh, but They had the guys you needed to score scoring. Like, yeah. that was, you know, like – you look at a JVR on a tip-in um, that five hold twice, <laughs> um, yeah. which was honestly the highlight of the game for me. But, like, JVR on the tip-in, you have TK, who didn't score for 20 games, and now he's got goals in back-to-back games. And Claude Giroux, who – like, I think, if anything, the part that's that's tough right now – and I'm Giroux's a professional, so I'm sure – 
he knows like he has some sense of how he wants to handle it but it's probably i don't think he's ever been in a situation quite like this um where where it's heightened to this level is the talk has so predominantly become Giroud deserves a deep postseason run he deserves a trade and a deep postseason run and he's still out there battling uh, you know and that's that conversation is every single day. I mean, I see it and I see it on Twitter every day and like he's tagged in it and articles are coming out about it and this, that, and the next thing. And I I mean, I think most of us agree with it. Like he deserves a cup. He deserves a chance to win. Um, And he's still out there as competitive as he ever is. And it's just wild. It is Joe. What were you thinking as you're watching this game unfold uh, nine rounds shootout? Uh, nine straight loss for the Flyers. Um, I I think I feel like their structure and their sort of um, overall look of their game was better last night than it's been in a long time. And you know, of course, the results not there. And as you mentioned, nobody wants to hear that. But um, you have a lot of young guys. You have a lot of guys who uh, you know you didn't. You know, just look at the shootout last night. You have Jerry Mayhew taking shots. I mean, these guys weren't even probably expecting to play in the NHL this year, and they got so deep in the shootout last night that guys like Mayhew are, are you know, are participating in the shootout. And it just kind of is a microcosm for everything that's gone on this season um, with this team. And, you know, it's beyond the point of excuses and things like that, uh, but they – injuries, COVID, all these sort of things. And, you know, we've mentioned this ad nauseum that every other team is dealing with their own share of these type of issues and things aren't spiraling seemingly out of control like they are with this team right now. Um, I will say a a lot of my game watching um, in a situation like last night where we don't have the game and I'm not, you know, keyed into things that were video we're cutting for intermissions and things for post games. I'm really focusing in on a lot of, of, of what guys like Cam York are doing. And I still think that continues to be a bright spot. Um, yeah. His, his puck handling, his, um, um, the way his elusiveness, which I saw at some times last night. And then of course on the JVR goal, he makes a great play to shoot the puck wide and off the end boards to come back out to JVR. And, you know, I, you're seeing things from him that you see from veteran defensemen who are successful in this league. And if you're looking for something to grasp onto as a positive, I think that's it. And I don't know if anything is more glaring as a positive right now for this team than that. Um, all these injuries and lineup in like what it's, what it is allowed is an opportunity for Cam York to play every game and see what he can do. And I think that's absolutely a positive for this team to see that. Um, I believe if we go back to what our bold predictions were before the season, I had said that by the all-star break, Cam York would be a regular part of this defense. I didn't think that this would be the way that it would happen, but it appears that's been happening. Um, And it's unfortunate that this is the way it's been happening because if everything else was – in place for the Flyers, I think that this would really be a good look on their on their 
back end. I really think it would be. Um, but the <laughs> fact that they're relying on Cam now to play top power play minutes and play, you know, that's not exactly where I think he would best be suited at this point, having such limited experience. But this is the hand that they've been dealt, and um, I, I really like what I'm seeing out of him. Um, but otherwise, I, I do – if you do see like, – there was, there was some optimism you heard from this team after a 4-1 loss – um, that seemed sort of odd after Monday's game. And um, I thought maybe you saw some of the why there was optimism last night. Um, the result still wasn't there, which is tough. It's a tough um, it's a tough pill to swallow, but um, you know, m- maybe things are getting better internally and you know, it's a results-driven business, so everybody's going to focus on that. But, you know, it, it, they did look, and as Taryn mentioned a couple of times, they deserved to win that game. And, you know, I'll go back to what AV used to say, and, you know, the skills competition is why they lost the game. Yeah. And that felt like a game where, you know, w- once somebody, you know, once um, Wallstrom breaks through there, you're like, all right, this game shouldn't have ended this way. And neither team really deserved to lose in that fashion. But I did feel like, you know, and you tweeted it last night when it happened that the Flyers answered that second Islanders goal. And that is another thing that we have not been seeing over the last two seasons from this team, an answer. It's generally what it's been is the Flyers score and then allow a goal instant, you know, almost instantly after it. And last night we saw that answer from the Flyers, and I thought that was a that was a great sign. And when they did that, I thought they were going to win the game at that point. Um, and, I don't understand you know, why Oscar Lindblom didn't take a shootout goal or a shot, though. I didn't understand that. Me yeah. and my dad were sitting there, and we were like, why is it not Oscar? Why is Jerry Mayhew – no disrespect to Jerry Mayhew, because I will say this, seeing them in person and – it's so it is so weird going from I used to watch every game in person at ice level where the game moves so fast it's almost hard to get a, a grip on flow of game to then being in studio where we watch on a TV and you and you get flow of game but it's the TV flow of game which isn't totally accurate to what it like what it feels like when you're watching in person to watching last night in person I mean I will give Mayhew tons of credit. The motor on him is insane. Like he is constantly, constantly trying to move to get into positions. Like it's insane. But Oscar Lindblom has been one of your better point producers lately. I think his confidence is building. I think Mike Yo has had an incredible, I will say this based on nothing other than what I know about Mike Yo, what I've heard him say about Oscar before, and what I witnessed when Oscar played under Scott Gordon after suffering under Hackstall is Oscar plays well when his coach has confidence in him and he knows his coach has confidence in him. It is just a thing when he knows he's not going to get ice time ripped and given based on a few mistakes. He, he, he stops making mistakes. He, he makes great plays. His vision comes back. You see his strength come back, whatever. And that's what we're seeing with Oscar under Mike Yo. It's why the other night I brought up his stats specifically since the game, Mike Yo took over have taken a full 180 turn. So why I wonder, 
if you're not Mike Yo, you don't pat the guy on the back and go, Oscar, we believe in you. Go out there and score this goal. That's all. That's all I have. That's all I wanted. And that, and I will say to the Cam York point before I forget, because otherwise it will drop out of my brain, never to be heard from again. The other thing with Cam York that I personally last night was picking up on that I appreciate, because I think we talk a lot about how quickly he runs the point on the power play and, you know, he's making the right decision, whatever. He doesn't make bad defensive decisions, which is something that I can truly appreciate because the veterans and some of the defensive leaders on this team have been plagued by bad defensive decisions all season long. Like hesitating whether to go play the man against the ball, like not knowing positionally where they should be. Just And when you watch, again, when I'm watching in person last night, there are moments where I'm seeing like, I'm not going to call anybody out, but I'm seeing guys who've been up with the team all year. They're like looking and looking and looking, and then they decide to go. And there's that hesitation or whatever. And Cam's not doing it. He's either committed to what he's doing or he goes full bore after what he's committed to play in that any given situation. And it always seems like it's instinctual and it's good instinct. And that is something that the Flyers desperately need. Now, I do wonder if that's in part because he's not been up for long and he's played with a few D partners already, and so he can't really worry about, like, chemistry with other guys. He kind of just has to do what he know he can do. But I, I, that's something that's really troubled me defensively because it's the same thing across, like, most sports. It's the same thing in soccer. It's the same thing in basketball. Like, if you are going to hesitate before you make a decision, oftentimes you're going to throw off your partner – and you're not going to give yourself enough time to properly play that angle or whatever it play that pass or get the stick in that lane or whatever it is. And I just see Cam seemingly more often than not making a decision, sticking to the decision, and often it's the right decision. And the Flyers desperately need that defensively. And then on top of that, you're right. Like you see what he did on JVR's goal. And, and you, I just see the way he moves the puck at the point, and it's so much smoother, and it's so much quicker. And the passes aren't always perfect. I think if there's anything he cleans up, it's the fact that he's like, there were a few times in the first Islanders game, I want to say, where he was moving the puck quickly, but he put it in G's skates a few times, or G was open, something like that. But I'll live with that from him right now. I mean, that's the least of their problems right now. So um, really impressed by by that from Cam, because I would think, that part of the game would be harder to to gain confidence in if I'm a young defenseman. It's just playing off of the tandem of my other defensemen and feeling confident in my defensive decisions. And it really doesn't seem to plague him much. Yeah, I just in your talk about his instincts, and there was a time a point last night where the puck get, got dumped out and he was coming back on it in in the defensive zone and he's going back full board and he must've saw the last minute that, that the Islanders were hard for checking from the other side of the net. And he went back, stopped and turned his back and protected the puck and reversed it back the other way. And I found myself thinking, I'm not sure every other defenseman on this team makes that play. And it's a little play, but it's also a play that results in, you know, doesn't result in a turnover in that leads to a big possession that could turn to, into a goal. And and the other thing is the way he moves the puck from the point is you see him taking different type of shots. Like 
It's not always a slap shot. Sometimes it's a snap shot. Sometimes it's a soft wrist shot. And he puts it just a little bit off the ice. So it's easy to work with anybody in front of the net. And I think those are the kind of things where, again, those are the kind of things that are veteran defenseman plays that this guy who's 20 years old is making. And you, you can only be positive about that. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. The Flyers have five pending unrestricted free agents on defense, if you consider uh, if if you consider Nick Connaughton and and uh, or Kevin Connaughton, excuse me, and Nick Sealer. So they, yeah. If, if anything, can they are work. the same. Just make them one. Yeah, <laughs> make them one guy. Um, so if anything, yeah, it's, it's looking like Cam York's really grabbing the bull by the horns and showing he can play here full time. Uh, that's that has to be exciting for fans. I think it's exciting for us as we follow the team uh, when you're you're definitely looking for positives in a season full of negatives. So that is a good thing. Taryn, I will ask you, um, what's so worrisome about all of this too is obviously the injured players are incredibly important guys. And you wonder even if they get back, if they get back and when they get back, what kind of players will they be? Kevin Hayes, I don't think will be the same the entire rest of the season. If he does come back and play, um, he's going to be playing through stuff. Sean Couturier, you really worry that when he does get back, will he be 100%? And, of course, Ryan Ellis, as we all know, uh, came back, re-injured himself, uh, is dealing with something that's you know could be nagging the rest of the year. Do you feel like they're at the point where maybe they should shut one of one of these three down? Maybe, you know, do you feel like they're fighting that decision? Um, or do you think all these guys are eager to get back, play, and maybe see what they can do to help this team Maybe get back in the conversation. Well, it seems like they've effectively shut Ryan Ellis down. So I don't, whatever. I mean, at this at this point, whatever. Um, I don't know with, uh, with Kevin, because I've heard with that injury, like you won't be yourself for a year, but it does help to play on it, to like regain confidence in almost in your body, not to like betray you in those situations. So I, I wonder, you know, if it's going to keep, if it's going to keep like getting liquid and then, or fluid and then Kevin has to get a drain and then da, 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 like I, I would say shut him down at some point here because why put the guy through that a and B, it doesn't actually seem like it's helping him to play, but if it does help him to play, like to loosen up that muscle, get it to gain strength, get confident in game speed, um, then have him play when he's 
ready to if he wants to. I think I mean, Kevin's a veteran in the business, and I think it's pretty apparent with the fact that it was his choice to play on Monday night. He wanted to play on Monday. I think he wants to play. I don't think he wants to sit at home and not play. Um, so if that's one of those things where those ab- those abdominal kind of core muscle injuries, it's really interesting when you talk to people about them because, and we saw it with G, is that like that full year after you get it fixed, you're not yourself. But I don't know that sitting and not playing on it helps. I, I, I don't know that it does. Um, I think just making sure you wait until you are healthy to return, like healthy in terms of you can play without re-injuring it. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know because I've, I've heard different things from different people when you ask them about it. Um, but it does seem like if you can play and there's not a ton of pressure on you to like play tons of minutes and produce a ton, that it helps to get worked back in there. So I don't, I don't really know what the answer is there with Kevin. Uh, it might be like a, a, like almost like a night by night basis. Once he's ready to come back, are you feeling good enough? Is it bothering you? Let's hold back on you when it is. Let's let you go when it's not. Totally, like it kind of balls in his court with that one. Um, and kind of same thing with Coots. I like I would be more, I would lean more towards. Sh- shutting Kevin down for the year, probably just because of the nature of the abdominal injuries. I would think at some point Couturier would want to come back in and um, play to some extent again, like just to play, but um, I don't really know. And, and again, with Ryan Ellis, I I don't know. He's effectively been shut down for the entire year. Like I, I don't, I don't even, is Ryan Ellis even in South Jersey? Like I just have so many questions. Um, so, yeah, I, I would consider shutting Kevin down if that's what's best for Kevin. I would imagine Sean Couturier, if when he comes back, if it's like after the All-Star break, that it'll mainly be coming back to work himself back into like game speed and being comfortable and strength again, not really coming back to contribute to the team, if that makes sense. Um, because some of this is working them back to work them back into shape, right? So, I think it depends on what the mindset is when you bring them back. If the mindset is bring them back so they can help you try to make it to the playoffs, I don't know that that's the right mindset. But if the mindset is bring them back so that they go into the summer having had some game experience, some game speed play, and then they can rehab in the summer and come back in a better position for next season, I I do agree with that because I do think having some games under your belt does help you, especially if there's not a ton of pressure on you in those games. So – but I don't know. I'm not a healthcare, uh, like a uh, physical therapist, orthopedic surgeon. So yeah. I don't really know what the right answer is. But uh, yeah, that would be my hot take on the situation. Nobody really knows what's exactly is going on with these injured players. Obviously, the people behind the scenes do. And they're a lot smarter than we are in terms of all that stuff. But yeah, I agree. Um, if, if, if it's, it's hard to tell these players, these guys insane competitors these very good players not to play if they can play so people are very quick to see these injuries that are lingering and nagging and very frustrating for people to see these constant updates about they're not going well to be like well shut them down shut them down it's a lot it's a it's not as simple as just shut him down it's like it's like i I think when you think of a nagging injury right guys if you think of like a running back in football who pulls a hamstring you should shut them down. Like you really need to let a hamstring completely heal, then work it back up to strength, then let them play. Right. Some of these injuries though, it's not quite like that. 
Like you have to let them get healed and let them get strong, but then have them play their way back into confidence again. And especially if, and I'm not saying this yet, but I think we all know the situation. If these games are meaningless in terms of a playoff race, it does help players to get worked back into game play. Even if it's reduced minutes, they're not themselves, whatever, to have them play at game speed again and regain some confidence before they go into the offseason so the first game that they're playing isn't fall of next year and they haven't played since January of this year, that does help. But if that's not the situation and you're bringing them back and they're playing 20 minutes of ice time and you know Kevin Hayes is getting fluid all the time, that's not the same thing as like a bridge program where you go from injured to rehab to healthy to strong. So the, the second option is what I'm talking about, not like – make Kevin your second line center and play him every single night, despite whatever's going on. Yeah. I would think, I, I would think with, if, if the injury for Ryan Ellis has kept him out this long, I think that is a situation where he probably needs to be shut down. And like Taryn said, nobody's talking about Ryan Ellis. No one's anticipating him coming back. Nobody seems to really have a clue what's going on. I think that's the sign you need to shut a guy down. Guys like Couturier, guys like Hayes, those guys, I think it's totally beneficial to do what Taryn said and kind of work them back in in a pressureless situation. But the if Ryan Ellis has been had something going on that's kept him out in all but, what, three games, four games this year, it's probably better to just go ahead and start that over next year and almost, for him, pretend this year didn't happen. Now, Everybody else probably wants to pretend this year didn't happen too at that point, and that may be the case by next season. But um, for Ellis, starting with a new team, you might just want to hit the restart button on that one in the offseason. Yeah, and it, everything could really be about next year, and I know people don't want to hear that, but for people that are looking for something to grab onto, if you're a player – uh, like Ryan Ellis, who's coming to a new organization and really wanted to show something and he hasn't been able to, all you can do mm -hmm. is probably look to next year and say, okay, well, I'm under contract here and I really want to prove my worth and show the, the city of Philadelphia that I'm a pretty good hockey player. Start gearing up for next year. Start preparing for next year. And if that's getting into some games at the end of the season or at some point this season, that's the best way to do it, then okay. Uh, but I think a lot of it you know, will come down to next year and that goes to management to the players to the coaches uh what can they do to get a you know a head start on next year so whether that's evaluating cam york taryn go ahead okay jordan i have a question for you because we i didn't put you on the hot seat at all today and that's not fair um so if you're if you're chuck fletcher and you're looking toward next year right mm -hmm. what are you thinking right now are you thinking I didn't have my team? I don't I actually have to rebuild. I just need to have my team. Are you thinking rebuild? Are you thinking because trade? I know we talked a lot, a lot about the trade deadline the last podcast I was on, but they could potentially do a lot at the trade deadline and get a lot of picks for a rebuild. But Chuck's not a rebuild GM typically, so I, I just wonder if you're. If you're putting on your Chuck Fletcher mask, mm -hmm. how are you looking at next year? I think you have to be really hard, hard hardly you have to be contemplating retooling this roster and making some serious changes. 
Serious being, obviously, Claude Drew is a massive decision, but you have to really look at some of the older players, the ones on expiring deals, and seeing what you can do to recoup some draft picks and really retool. But I don't think you have to rebuild. I don't think you have to like really start from scratch. Like you have a lot of good foundation pieces on this roster, younger guys that you know are established already that probably need help, probably need people around them. But you do have some aging players that are making a decent amount of money or they're on expiring deals. Like who? Like who? Who are your like top targets that you're like, I'm I'm retooling this part. This part of the house needs renovation. Well, James Van Riemsdyk comes to mind. Uh, he wasn't signed by Chuck Fletcher. He was signed by Ron Hextall, uh, and he makes a lot of money. And maybe that's a guy you, you're thinking of moving on from uh, to really get draft picks or clear cap. Uh, that's one guy that comes right to mind, given he wasn't – protected in the expansion draft. Claude Drew is a huge decision. I don't know where they're going to go with that. We talked about that on the last podcast, but a big decision there. But you do have pieces in-house to build upon. So, you know, you have Joel Faraby, you have Carter Hart, you have Cam York, you have Sean Couturier, who I think a lot of people know is going to be here. He just re-signed, just signed that big extension and is still, you know, a, a really good piece. Uh, Ryan Ellis is under contract. He's going to be here. You got to hope that he's going to be healthy. So there are pieces, I think, to work around. But uh, they do need to to retool things. And uh, so much about this year was win now. They had a lot of older players on one-year deals to kind of make this season a win now ex- expectation because of last year's disaster. Uh, it hasn't worked out, and now you just have to look to next year. But – there are a lot of huge decisions. Uh, Rasmister Salinen being UFA, and do, do you think he's a part of this future? What do you resign him to, or do you move on from him and try to get some of the things back that you lost in that trade? So, a lot of big decisions. I do think it's like it is still somewhat early, but I know Chuck Fletcher has to be thinking about it. It's, it's probably something uh, he's discussing in house with some of the people that he's very close to every single day. He's probably picking up phones and talking to GMs as well. Um, yeah. It's well, tough, too, because some of like the, the pieces that you've talked about have been the brighter spots of this team, but they weren't supposed to be the brighter spots of this team. So it's like you're making I, – I, I mean, Chuck is – he's a Harvard guy in this, his job, so he obviously knows how to put it in perspective. But, like, you talking about, you know, JVR, Claude, Rasmus, et cetera, et cetera, like mm-hmm. – all three of them have been <laughs> brighter spots, like point wise or among the defensemen. That being said, like the defensive core has been a hot mess express. And so that's not really like in the perspective of what it should be. Maybe you don't value it as much as what it is. And that's interesting as well, because then you're potentially trading apart parts of your teams that have contributed more this season than anybody else but they shouldn't have like, that's just the situation I find that interesting is that wrinkle interesting as well is like who these players are within the window of this season is different, except for Claude Giroux maybe is different than maybe who they are in the perspective of could have, should have, would have been season, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, cause that's the big thing with like, I, I hear a lot of, there's a lot of like Sanheim Provorov, chatter lately because everybody's mad about everything all the time you know how that goes and um it, it it is interesting to hear what people think about the whole based on this season which has gone so far left of where it should have gone 
versus um, probably what like another GM values that player as based on who they are, not who they are within the microcosm of the season. So just interesting. Well, I I mean, in terms of Fletcher, if you start walking back the moves that you made in the offseason, you're putting the bullseye square on yourself. I feel like the first step through GMs in all sports that end up getting fired are walking back moves they made and putting the square or firing coaches. And that's also, you know, so I think he, he might tread lightly in terms of like, you don't want to reverse all the moves. Jordan, you mentioned JVR. That's not a Chuck Fletcher move. So that could be your, you know, that, that frees up cap space if you can find a suitor. So that's your, you know, that's a move that's not putting the, the bullseye square on yourself. But, and I'm not really referring to like the Ristolinans, the Yandles, the one-year deals. We all knew what that was about. A one-year deal is kind of like, let's see if this works out. But if not, we, we haven't, there's sort of an easy out on it. Maybe not with Yandel because I don't know. I don't know currently that anybody is trading for Keith Yandel. And, um, but Risto, I think you somebody don't think will. so? <laughs> no, I don't think there's going to be anybody lining up for that. But but Ristolainen, I think, is – I mean, last night he had – what did he have, 10 hits in the game last night? I mean, he was he was really out there making an impact every time he was on the ice. So I, I do think a, a playoff content, – a, a contender is going to look at that and say, let's add to our def- – our depth on defense, and this isn't a high-risk move because it's an expiring contract. And again, I mentioned this on the last podcast. Expiring contract, this seems to be like the NBA. Mm-hmm. That's the big it's NBA thing. Like Bitcoin to a playoff right. team. Right. That or you're going to have to pay him a ton of money because defensemen yeah. are getting paid right now. And Chuck, I don't think <laughs> cap-wise, that's going to be a no. great situation. But – there's also, I mean, we were talking about this at practice the other day, Jordan, was like, it, you do wonder if Chuck's just like, no, I just, I brought him in here to see what he could do. And I, I like what he's done and we are going to resign. Like there is that, there is that feel, there is a feeling of that as well. I mean, I've never heard that from Chuck, but that's very like out in the, uh, what is the word? I don't know. Metaverse, whatever. There, there is that feeling of like, what if what if they really like him? They want to resign him for a ton of money, because like I said, defensemen are getting paid, and it, like it's it's not even some of them are getting paid. Like got paid last year, and I looked at the contracts, and I was like, yeah, so R- it makes you wonder. But yeah, Ristolainen's the big one because the other players that Chuck Fletcher signed, they they were all cheap one year deals. Keith Yandel one year deal. For I think eight hundred thousand, Derek Broussard one year deal I think for nine hundred thousand. I'm not th- positive on those, but they were in those range. Like that, those are Nate Thompson one year deal cheap. Like those are deals that they were all about this season. And if se- if the season didn't go well, uh, you know you could let these guys walk at the end of the year and, and say thanks for everything. Ristolainen was the big deal. Traded a first round pick for him, and uh, when we talked to, to him to Chuck Fletcher about that first round pick. He said he did, he wouldn't trade it for, you know, like a rental or a one-year type of player. He said that would be a piece that you see filling in long-term. So th- he said that, and if you let Ristolainen go, 
you're admitting that yes, this was not the guy I traded for. So he's gonna have to fight that of okay, maybe well, I might get a first well, back for him. A yeah, there's a caveat. Back. There's definitely a caveat to that because it is all about, like Taryn said, what you get back for him. Yeah. Because when Chuck said that, he said it without the knowledge that this season has gone off the tracks like it has. Mm -hmm. And now that it has gone off the tracks, it, it's all about weighing, you know, what he brings to the future versus what you can get for him. So I, I definitely think it's a different conversation now than when Chuck said that. No, that, that was my entire point, but I couldn't finish. Yeah, yeah. My, my entire point was... <laughs> Sorry, Jordan. <laughs> yeah. My entire point was the big decision of admitting, yes, we did not get the player we thought we were, but we can at least recoup of what we lost, whether it be a draft pick or getting something very big in return for this in, enticing expiring contract or saying, hey, we still like Rasmus Ursuline and this is the player we thought we could keep long-term. We're going to sign him for you know, a few more years, see what he can do and, um, and, and go from there. Maybe and Twitter will love that. Yes. exactly. Um, can we also real quick before we go, I know this podcast is like running long and I turned it into another trade deadline podcast because I can't help myself. Um, how about Zach McEwen dropping gloves against Chara? That was fun. What a crazy man. Yeah. My, uh, my initial reaction was what is he doing? Why yeah. is he doing this? I and I said it online. I was like, "Who loves Chuck and Nux more than Zach McEwen?" And somebody was like, "Well, Chara does." And I was like, "No, I think people just challenge Chara all the time." And Chara's like, "You're not going to win." So sure, yeah. <laughs> Zach McEwen is just like a heat-seeking missile for who will punch him in the face. It's yeah. it's the funniest thing in the world. I just my dad and I are looking at each other like, "What? Why? What are you yeah. doing, bud?" I think Zidane. Yeah, Zidane Chara made Matt Martin look scared, and not many people make Matt Martin look like, you know, he's kind of terrified. So, so first, first game, first Islanders Flyers game of that back to back between speaking of Risto and Martin, that was just like, just yeah. like two two kids on the playground, just like, no, you go away, no, yeah. <laughs> just like in front of the net, just shoving the crap out of each other. The fun subplot to that game was just watching because because Matt Martin is like a boulder too, like it's not like he's an easy guy to move. Yeah. Oh, God, I got a good kick out of that one. But it's funny, if you look back at the fight last night, too, I I, I thought it was McEwen who kind of was like, okay, let's fight. It wasn't yeah, really Yeah, I think Chara. it was. Because I know Chara went after him because of the the, the, the hip check on May, on Scott Mayfield, I believe it was. and uh, But it was almost like Chara was like, oh, you really want to do this? Okay. Yeah. I mean – Based on leverage, most guys decide not to do that. And I'm sure that's what Chara's used to. And it was almost this look of – and I, I saw a clip floating around online, and I couldn't – it looked like people were trying to read the lips of what Chara said afterwards. And it all – everyone was saying he said something of the lines of, are you, you okay? okay, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> and well, and the funny thing was, was you, see, you yeah. see Chara, and Chara like ha still has McHugh by like the pads – and McHugh's got like that pirate hair all in his face and his, his eyes are all crazy. Like when he fights and he's just looking at him, like, let's keep going. And Char's looking at him like, are you okay? But, and holding him like a child. And Zach McHugh just looks like a, like a psycho, like an absolute crazy person. And I was sitting there going like, like credit to Zach, like Zach McHugh. Just if he, if I just really enjoy Zach McHugh, that's all I got. I just really enjoy exactly like I think he knows exactly what he is on a team 
and he's down for it. And there's a value to that. And I know people will sit here and they'll be like, well, there's better fourth liners and blah, 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 whatever. I don't really care. In certain situations, you just want a Zach McHugh to be on your team. And over this nine-game winless streak, he has, I think, probably offered to drop gloves. Over the course of the season, he has offered to drop gloves more than I have seen in the previous two and a half years here. So credit to Zach McHugh for being willing to just get socked in the face for his teammates because hilarious. And, and you know what else is interesting about him too? And pe- the, the, the part that people don't talk about is when his line is on the ice, he you'll see a shot go toward the net. And I, I always find myself going, who's that in front? Oh, it's McEwen. He's always in front of the net. Yeah. Yeah. High motor and and it's, it's interesting too. He doesn't have, and I don't think any, he doesn't have this plethora of offensive skills. And it's almost like he embraces it by being a bowling ball in front of the net. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, what's not to like about that? Yeah, he's constantly noticeable. Like every game you feel like you're noticing him, which I think is a pretty good sign for a fourth liner. And and he's the, he's legit the, like the first guy out there for practice every single day. He's constantly getting extra work after practice. Like just so far, everything about him, yeah, is very likable. And maybe a guy you could see, you know, fitting in here, not just this season, but, you know, in the future as well. Certainly seems like the city's taken a liking to him as well. Uh, fun guy for sure. And will certainly be one of many, many decisions for Chuck Fletcher and the Flyers uh, as this trade deadline nears, as the offseason, uh, well on the horizon nears. So a lot of work for Chuck Fletcher and the Flyers to do and for, for ownership as well to, to kind of oversee the entire picture along with Chuck Fletcher. Uh, but we'll be talking all about it uh, as we move forward here. Flyers, Blue Jackets, Thursday, pregame live with Joe Fordyce and Taryn Hatcher. Check it out, Flyers fans, uh, as the Flyers try to snap this nine-game losing streak, get back in the win column, get some positive energy going around here in South Philly. But Taryn and Joe, thank you so much, as always. Great seeing you, great chatting with you. A special thank you to Ben Berry, our podcast producer and guru as well. And Flyers fans, as always, thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and listen, and we can't wait to talk to you next time.